Texas and Oklahoma have one final chance to win another Big 12 title. And oh boy, we have some spicy thoughts about this. Welcome to the Big 12 2023 season preview. One man. Goodbye. Hello, Heisman. 20, 25, 30, 35, 40, 45, 50, 45. There goes Davis. Oh, my God. Davis is going to run it all the way back. Auburn's going to win the football game. Gentlemen, the Big 12. We, we talked about the Big 10 last week, that that is probably the most one of the most intriguing conferences in the country. And yet, this week in the Big 12, I think there is the most room for total and utter chaos. Welcome into the Three Technique, a college football podcast at the intersection of the X's and O's and the Jimmy's and the Joe's. I'm Mitch Mason, joined by Trey Reeves, Garrett Turney. Fellas, uh, we were discussing our projections, our rankings of Big 12 teams before we hit record, and there are some teams that we are identically aligned on. There are other teams that we really could not be farther apart on the spectrum from. Um, This is going to be a wild podcast. I think we're going to have a a range of takes on a number of teams here. This should be a lot of fun. We're going to get some hate mail for this podcast, guys. It it is not going to be pretty in the comment section, but that's because this is just a notoriously impossible conference to predict year in and year out. Not just this year, where there's all the intangibles of newcomers and getting one last shot at Oklahoma and Texas before they, you know, go out the door and leave to the SEC. But there are a lot of really talented teams that are all within arm's reach of each other. And if one of them gets really hot like TCU did last year and just beats all the other ones, then we're going to have a surprise champion that no one's talking about. So, yeah, I'm excited to break all this down for you guys. I'm excited to probably be 100% wrong about the order of the Big 12 because that's just how it works. And, you know, I'm excited to see this on the field in the fall because it's going to be entertaining football every single week in this conference. Yeah, that's almost the point of the Big 12, right? This is the conference that was dead in the water. Then it went and got four new members who we're excited to talk about. And the last two years, it's got, you know, completely different looks in its conference championship games. You had TCU, Kansas State, and the Purple out last year. And then, you know, you had Oklahoma State and Baylor the year before that. And neither of those teams were Texas or Oklahoma, who you normally think are going to be there. So, man, it's 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 almost impossible to predict what this conference is going to do. We're going to do our best. And probably us, along with the rest of the nation, will not see the you know, untold Iowa State championship run or something like that when when some team comes out of nowhere to shock the world. Hey, Iowa State did it a couple of seasons ago. They, exactly. they made it to the championship game against Oklahoma. Uh, really, we're one possession away from maybe being able to put a hand on that trophy. But yeah, this is going to be a lot of fun. Uh, we, we are going to break down each team, including the newcomers, um, and, and dive into why we think this could be the most chaotic season in the Big 12, context uh, context, kind of at the forefront, right? Texas and Oklahoma have one final chance to leave a legacy in the Big 12. We'll get to all of that, but first, guys, of course, uh, today's episode and all of our episodes brought to you by the 
Transfer Portal CFB Preview Magazine. That has been released. It's been released uh, for a little bit now. So if you haven't picked up your copy, what, what are you doing? Um, we ran a flash sale over the weekend, had a bunch of new people buy that. It's back up to the full price. But guys, the good news is the full price is just $9.99. Um, certainly not to besmirch any other preview magazine. So I won't name names. But I sent you guys a screenshot before this episode I was doing some some other research, getting ready for this, and I found three factual errors and a complete grammatical malfeasance in the first 100 characters of the Houston preview. Um, it's just, you know, it was, it was really shocking. And the fact that our team went to such extreme lengths to make sure that not only our information was up to date uh, as late as it possibly could be, literally the night before we pr- uh, published this magazine, we were fact-checking, making sure that the transfer portal was up to date, that the grammar was right. Um, and a large large part of that is is thanks to, to Dylan and the other writers that just went all out on this. We continue to get huge reviews on this magazine. It's 350-plus pages of some of the most in-depth previews, analysis, and interviews that you're going to find anywhere on the market. And again, it's it's just $9.99. So head on over to the Transfer Portal CFB magazine, uh, website or their social media. Pick up the magazine today. Still got a month before kickoff, so you have plenty of time to dive in, get everything possible out of this. Um, and uh, yeah, leave your feedback. We really, really hope you enjoy it. Gentlemen, speaking of feedback, Garrett, you mentioned we're, or I guess both of you guys mentioned, we're going to have some takes on this podcast and none of these are meant to be salacious in any stretch of the imagination. We truly believe what we're about to defend on this podcast. I feel like I have to set a disclaimer because there are going to be some discussions here, starting with Texas Longhorns. You say, Mitch, the Texas Longhorns did not win big 12 last year. Why are we starting with them? And, And guys, to pull the curtain back, originally we were not going to start with the Texas Longhorns. And yet, Garrett, you made this point. If the Longhorns have everything click, they can not only win the Big 12, they could potentially win a national title this year. And so it felt wrong to start with anyone other than the Longhorns. TCU, you had your moment in the sun. We're going to get to you. But Texas in 2023 could be a team that contends not only for a playoff berth, but for a national title if... They get everything out of this talent. Now, of course, if you followed the Longhorns or college football for the last several years, you know that Texas typically leaves a lot of juice in the lemon. They don't get a full squeeze when it comes to the length of a season. Uh, they nearly knocked off Alabama last year, but then failed against Texas Tech. They failed against Oklahoma State. They fell short against ECU. They had so many shortcomings that ultimately bit them en route to what was a disappointing eight and five season? Now, in the grand scheme of things, was that an okay season for Sarkeesian? Sure, it was. Can he get to double digit wins? Is all anyone's going to care about this season? I think we are all on the, the bandwagon that Texas absolutely should. And given the run of talent that they're going to put out on the field each and every Saturday, uh, this is a team that you have to take seriously when it comes to national championship contingents. Uh, you've got. Sarkeesian, who obviously has uh, done a decent job as a head coach, his play calling has been immaculate. Offensive coordinator Kyle Flood has built one of the most impressive offensive lines in the entire country. And then Pete Kwiatkowski, a guy who a lot of Longhorn fans were calling for his head a couple of years ago, 
has built up a defense that not only can compete in the Big 12, but should be able to compete nationally. Again, I point you to that Alabama game where really they were a couple of blown calls and some some wrong bounces away from beating Alabama at home. Team strengths and weaknesses. The strength for this team is going to reside on the offensive side of the ball. I picked the wide receiver core with an honorable mention to the offensive line. Now, the, the wide receiver core is going to be one of the most impressive in the country. The offensive line might be the best offensive line in the country, led by Kelvin Banks, who was a freshman All-American last year, did not give up a single sack against the likes of Will Anderson, Tyree Wilson, or Felix Uzama, um, or Felix and DK Uzama. Two of those guys went in the first round in the top 10 picks. Pretty remarkable stuff from Kelvin Banks. But the wide receiver core is led by Xavier Worthy, supreme talent. He had 60 catches last year for nine touchdowns. The question is, can he put it all together this year? He felt like he quit a little bit on the team last year. There were a lot of rumors that he was walking right out the door, that he actually wasn't coming back to Texas. That all seems to have subsided. He's back and should lead this uh, this wide receiver core. Adonai Mitchell transfers over from Georgia. They've got Georgia, uh, Jordan Whittington. Isaiah Nayers healthy after tearing his ACL last year, the Wyoming transfer from 2022, plus freshmen like Jontae Cook and Ryan Niblett. I mean, this is a loaded wide receiver room. Quarterback is Quinn Ewers. He will be the starting quarterback for Texas. Now, how long will he hold that job? I guess we'll wait and see. There are a lot of people that believe that Quinn Ewers can be a Heisman contender this year. There are also people that believe that Quinn Ewers will lose the starting job at some point during the season. I'm certainly more inclined to believe that he's going to have a breakout season than fail entirely, and that's why you'll see I picked Texas to go to the Big 12 championship game to win a Big 12 title. The running back room. Garrett, we're going to talk about this in a second. You're really concerned about the loss of B. John Robinson and Roshan Johnson. Absolutely fair. What they have coming back is a loaded stable. They've got Keelan Robinson, Jonathan Brooks, uh, an electric sophomore, top running back from the 2023 class in Cedric Baxter from the state of Florida. They've got Jaden Blue as well, who's a special runner. I think they've got guys who can pick up the slack and at least marginalize the loss of Bijan Robinson. Now on the defense, they're also very loaded. They've got Jalen Ford, who was voted the best linebacker, preseason defender, in the Big 12, according to the media. He's going to be electric. You've got Tavondre Sweat, Byron Murphy the second monsters on the defensive line. Texas led the conference in quarterback pressures a season ago. They had a lot of tackles for loss. Didn't necessarily get the sacks, but they had a lot of tackles for loss. And then in the secondary, you're looking at guys like cornerback Ryan Watts, who should have another good season. Jalen Catalan transfers over from Arkansas, one of the most coveted safeties that came into the transfer portal this offseason so guys let's let's talk about this and Garrett specifically to you you look at their schedule they've got Bama week two they have Kansas and Oklahoma before the bye and then afterwards they've got BYU Kansas State and Texas it's certainly not an easy season but this is a Longhorn team that should be favored probably 10 if not 11 of the weeks uh, during the regular season where are you thinking the Longhorns finish when it's all said and done? Yeah, whoever did the schedule for Texas this year did not do them any favors. Um, there's some of these teams that we'll talk about later on that they got real breaks when it comes to their schedule. 
Um, Texas is not one of those teams. They have to play a lot of tough teams on this schedule. Obviously, the out-of-conference against Bama, um, that's that's going to be pretty tough. Nobody just walks in to Tuscaloosa and, and just leaves with a victory with no problems. It's, it's going to be a tough battle. Uh, but setting that one aside at Baylor, obviously Oklahoma, that happens in Dallas every year. You're looking at TCU into the season, finishing with Texas Tech. There's going to be some real issues with the schedule and there's going to be a lot of places for them to potentially follow up now um if you are a texas fan and you've been watching texas you know that and you can look at the 22 results there's some games you shouldn't have lost that have that l next to them there's some games that on paper you look at it and you say there's no reason why the texas Longhorns should be losing that game and they still slipped up i think that one of the biggest reasons they will make improvements in that is due to the fact that yeah, it's Sark's third year. They have a lot of consistency. It's not a brand-new offensive scheme for anybody, no brand-new defensive schemes for anybody. They can really try to play the the continuity game there and allow some of that to, to take over and some of that coaching to really settle in. You know, they, they know what they're doing after a certain number of time. Here's really where my concerns are. I'm not concerned about the offensive line. They're going to be great in the offensive line. I'm not concerned about even with the, with the wide receiver room. There's a lot of, I think, speculation in the wide receiver room after Xavier Worthy. I think Xavier Worthy is obviously amazing. There's a lot of guys who I'd say, yeah, they looked pretty good maybe in other situations or they've you know shown that they could perform well, but, but I'm not necessarily down on that room. Mitch, you mentioned it. The running backs, I'm concerned about. Are we going to pretend that Bijan Robinson wasn't a massive factor in this offensive success last year? Because that, I think, would be disingenuous, right? You can say that they have really talented players behind them, but you don't replace Bijan Robinson. You don't just say, oh, well, you know, there's a there's a guy, Cedric Baxter, he looked pretty good. You know, he's a good kid coming in. And, oh, well, Jonathan Brooks, he's, he's looked pretty good. And sometimes, yeah, Keelan Robinson... You don't just replace Bijan Robinson. And Roshan Johnson, by the way, very good running back right behind him. That's a nasty one-two punch that they're going to have problems replacing. If there's a drop in talent there and they become a little bit more one-dimensional, the genius play calling from Sark looks a little less genius because they're not going to be getting that extra support on the ground. They're not going to be getting that extra support um, you know, in the run game, and defenses can set that up a little bit easier to tee off on the quarterback and apply pressure to the quarterback, which is really where this conversation has to start and end. With Quinn Ewers, he's the guy right now. I've said it before. I'm going to continue to say this until I see that step. Quinn Ewers struggles under pressure. When you get to Quinn Ewers, he does not deliver the football accurately. He doesn't make great decisions. He doesn't do a great job extending plays. Um, he, He has a lot of room to grow in that. Now, full off season, maybe he's made that step. I haven't seen it yet. So I'm just going to go off of what I've seen. And what I've seen is when he's upright and he's not facing the pressure, Quinn Ewers is a fantastic quarterback. When he gets knocked over, he, and when he gets kind of pressured and all that, he, he struggles severely. So thinking about what is going to happen, thinking about what they could do, I'm nervous about the running back room, but I have them going 10 and two overall. I have them losing against Alabama, and I believe I have them dropping the game in Fort Worth against TCU, um, but that's that's what I have so far for them. Um, I, I went back and forth on Texas Tech at the end of the season. I think I ended up saying that Tech was going to end up losing that game, uh, but that's a place where I would really make sure that you're on your game if you're Texas because I think Texas Tech will have a lot to play for that last weekend as well. 
Um, and I, I think that it could be a, a bit of a trap situation for Texas as, you know, they're kind of leaving the conference and, you know, Tech wants one more jab at them. So I have them going 10-2 and two and making the conference champion game. Um, I do not have them winning the whole thing. I, I think that they'll end up coming just short in the conference championship game, but still having a really great season on their way out of the Big 12. Guys, Texas should win the Big 12. Can we agree on that? We can. They should. And can we agree that we can say that same thing about probably the past five, six, seven seasons, give or take a few? At least that they should be playing in it against Oklahoma, right? Right. Right. Texas and Oklahoma are going to be the two most talented teams on paper in this conference until they leave for the SEC. And to me, what's always kept Texas back is just not having that difference maker at quarterback, right? They've they've either had the defense that's been elite and played really well, but the quarterback dropped down, or they've had the receivers, or they had Bijan, or you know, all these talented guys, but the quarterback just hasn't been able to put it all together. So my question for you guys is well, I guess two parts. One, is this all on Quinn Ewers this year? And two if Texas gets average Quinn, right? Like not Heisman contender, but also not worthy of being benched, probably about what he was last year as a freshman. If he improves small, a small improvement or remains stagnant, what do you see Texas doing this year? I think, I, I don't know that I'm banking on Quinn Ewers being a Heisman finalist. When I say that Texas can go 10 and two or even 11 and one, right? Like, Texas has, they've always been really talented. They've normally been the most talented team on the field. This year, they've finally paid attention to building the trenches. And because that offensive line, I think, is going to be able to move running lanes for whoever's in the backfield, provide pass protection for Quinn Ewers or whoever's back there, the weapons that they have out wide are going to be so much better on a week-in, week-out basis than the secondary they're going up against. And then, oh, by the way, You've got some of the best defensive linemen in the country rushing the quarterback on the other side. It just it's it's such a recipe for success in today's college football. Run go fast on offense, physical, you know, quarterback pressure, stuff the run on defense. I don't know that I'm counting on Quinn Ewers to be elite this year, and I still think that they can hit that ceiling. I don't know, you know, they won't be a national title contender if they don't get an elite quarterback but I think they can still compete and run the big 12, even if Quinn, you know, throws an interception a game. I, I think that really where we have to ask is just how good he is, because I do think this ends up landing on Quinn's shoulders. I don't think that they have the team around him to make it to the championship game in the big 12. If Quinn is average, like you were saying now, what does average mean? That's, it's kind of subjective. It's a little bit open-ended. If we mean that he's going to go out there and throw for like, you know, 260 to 280 yards a game and a couple touchdowns, maybe turn it over a few times. I think that the Longhorns are good enough to win a lot of games with that. I don't know that they're going to be able to overcome, for example, Oklahoma, right? Who I think we're all expecting a big jump from the Sooners. I don't think that he can keep up with Oklahoma on offense. Defense, not necessarily what I'm concerned about there with Oklahoma, but I don't know that if he's just average Quinn, that they have that guy, maybe outside of Xavier Worthy, who I think could be that guy, but they don't have a Bijan this year. They really don't. And that's that's really where this comes down to for me is I don't think that they have that over-the-top star lock to go in the first round, lock to go in the, the top 10 of the first round. I don't think they have that guy on 
their offense this year, may, maybe down the line, maybe, you know, I could see Cedric Baxter developing into that guy. But I think it would be a little crazy, and I think Texas fans should agree with me on that, that it'd be crazy to expect Cedric Baxter or, or Jonathan Brooks or Keon Robs or one of those guys to come in here and be a guy like Bijan. And so uh, when you don't have that guy in the run game, it has to go through your quarterback. And that's where I say, look, may- maybe Texas goes in there and Quinn figures it out. He's got all the stuff figured out in his head. They, if that's true, then it's uh, it's a bad year to be on the Longhorn schedule because they're going to go through and, you know, going to Fort Worth against TCU will not be a problem. Tech at the end of the year will not be an issue. They'll stomp all over Oklahoma again. But if if he's average, right, if we're just getting average, Quinn, I could see a 9-3 and three or maybe even 8-4 and four for Texas just based on how I think some of these teams are going to be. And, and the untold kind of fact underneath all of this is – everybody this year is going to give Texas and Oklahoma their absolute best shot while they're on their way out of the conference. That's kind of the thing that we haven't been saying yet. Texas is going to get everybody's best shot on the way out. Texas tech wants the parting words, right? TCU wants to send them out losers. You know, you you look up at that, even, you know, like a, like a Baylor early in the season, I don't think Baylor's going to be very good, but you think at Waco, it's not going to sell out, you know, immediately. And that's going to be a crazy Waco crowd looking to just, you know, throw the horns down every chance they get. And everybody on TV is going to horns down the whole time. Like everybody's going to hate Texas. And it's going to go the same way for Oklahoma. Everybody's going to hate both of them on their way out. Maybe it's warranted, maybe not, but it's going to be what it is. And so if you're not absolutely on your A game every single week, yeah, you're probably going to drop one or two of those in an upset spot. It's going to be fascinating to see how the Longhorns do with this schedule. Um, the front half of the schedule is is relatively benign. I mean, they've got Alabama. They do have a road game to Baylor. Kansas will come in. I think they should be able to handle the Jayhawks, maybe this year. Uh, and then they have the, uh, the Red River rivalry against Oklahoma. After that, though, at Houston, they have Kansas State come to town. They have to go to two TCU, two Iowa State, and then they'll play the Red Raiders. Um, not an easy schedule by any means. So the Longhorns certainly not going to be gift-wrapped uh, the Big 12 title game this season. Trey, let's hop on over to Kansas State. The Wildcats uh, did win the Big 12 championship game last year. They were not the team that anyone expected to win the title, uh, but they beat TCU in Arlington in an absolute thriller. They go 10-4 and with a Sugar Bowl appearance. Um, that Cinderella season did come to a grinding halt against Alabama, but Chris Kleiman gets a four-year, four hundred, or I'm sorry, forty-four million dollar extension. Uh, nearly put an extra zero in that bank account. Uh, I it. It, well, may, maybe I, he he coached uh, he he coached that Wildcat team to kind of new heights last year, seven and two in the conference. Uh, team strength is the running game, and that might surprise some folks who don't know what goes on in Little Apple because Deuce Vaughn is now a Dallas Cowboy, and well, last year the offense really kind of was Deuce Vaughn. The interesting thing that Kansas State fans who have uh, previously tuned into our show will know is we're very, very high on DJ Giddens. Treshawn Ward, transfer from Florida State, was also voted by the media as a uh, as the Big 12 Newcomer of the Year for the preseason. So there's a lot of expectations on the running game at Kansas State. Will Howard, though, is not to be overshadowed. Uh, he's a very, very good quarterback, really took control of that offense last year and earned the the respect of the entire team so much so that Chris Kleiman said, you look at Will Howard and you know, this is his team. 
So the offense for Kansas State should be a whole lot of fun. Phillip Brooks comes back. He had 45 catches last year for almost 600 yards and four touchdowns. And then, oh, by the way, you have maybe the best overall offensive lineman in the country in Cooper Bebe. Um, he, uh, you know, he and Joe Alt from Notre Dame are kind of one, two, maybe one A, one B in that regard. So the offense for Kansas State should be very, very solid once again. You flip it over to the defense, and the this the weakness here will be the secondary because only Kobe Savage is a returner coming back. Uh, they truly are planning on going cornerback by committee from everything that I've read uh, from Kansas State football on the other side of Kobe Savage and, and with the nickel as well. Daniel Green is a super senior. He's back at linebacker. He's got over 200 tackles. Austin Moore joins him as well. He had 87 tackles last year, which actually led the ball club. And then at the edge, you're going to have two guys that need to step up and replace Felix Nduke Uzama. It's Khalid Tate and Nate Matlock. Both of them are primed to be the starters coming off the edge. So, Trey, you look at the schedule here, and weeks three through eight are kind of spicy, right? You've got at Mizzou versus UCF, an early bye. Then you go to Oklahoma State, to Texas Tech, and then come home to TCU. Now, the question I have for you is, I think everybody's really high on Kansas State. Specifically, I've got them going either 10-2 and two or 11-1, and one, depending on how you cut it and reaching a Big 12 title game, are you as high on Kansas State as some of the media is, including us? I am. I have them going back to Arlington this year. I have them may, – I'll, I'll save my pick for who they face off against for a little bit. But, yeah, I have the Wildcats going back to Arlington this year because Will Howard is going to be one of the top quarterbacks in this conference. He's one that not a lot of people are talking about outside of Big 12 country. But you see him inserted into the starting lineup last year after the injury to uh, Martinez. And it, the offense just took on another gear. We, when's the last time we saw a, t- a Kansas State quarterback throwing for almost 300 yards, four or five touchdowns a game, and still running the ball pretty efficiently when he gets the opportunity? We haven't seen that since Colin Klein was running the uh, offense on the field in Kansas City. He's, of course, running it from the sidelines now. But Listen, he is an X factor for this offense, and he has a great running game, like you mentioned. Deuce Vaughn obviously is a huge loss, but I think this could be one of the top offenses in the conference. It's not going to look like a flashy, spread it out, um, you know, throw the ball all over the field offense like we see at Texas with Steve Sarkeesian. But Chris Kleiman has always run an extremely great offense. Every team that he's coached, going back to his days at North Dakota State, it doesn't look as modern and flashy but it gets the job done. It scores points. When you look at their production last year, when I was doing research for our statistics, I was, you know, kind of shocked to see, you know, that scoring offense, top 40, that rushing offense, of course, is going to be really, really good. But they're deadly in the red zone, and they take care of the quarterback as well. They don't give up a lot of negative plays, um, either on the ground or when Will Howard is dropping back to take care of the – to pass the ball. So one thing that I'm concerned about a little bit, I've mentioned this on a couple teams in our preview season – that turnover margin last year was a huge, huge benefit to them. That, that plus, uh, I think, 12 turnover margin, fourth in the country. And that that's something that doesn't typically translate year over year. And you talk about their secondary having a lot of turnover. 
it's going to take somebody stepping up to keep that momentum going on that side of the ball, to keep the takeaways coming, to keep the big plays coming. But guys, they are going to face a lot of erratic quarterbacks in the Big 12 too. There's not a, there's a lot of guys that like to sling it around, a lot of gunslingers, and we could see we could see the te- the Kansas State secondary if they can gel. I think that defense is going to be just fine too and complete and make for a really complete football team, especially by the end of the year. Now, you mentioned their schedule that start to October is really really tricky. You didn't mention that they you know. Go to uh, host Houston and then go to Texas. I think that's a big game that everybody's circling on November 4th. Yep. Obviously, Kansas State has been one of the tougher outs for the Longhorns uh, over the course of the lifetime of the Big 12. But I think that's one that Texas will have circled as well. It's a really big game on this conference schedule. But the close is really soft to me. I think Baylor, of course, the rivalry game, Sunflower Showdown at Kansas, that's going to be a tough one that Kansas is ready for. But Baylor at Kansas, Iowa State, I think they're going to be cruising by that time of this year and kind of cruise into that Big 12 championship game. Yeah, so when I look at Kansas State, I'm going to try to be consistent with what I said with Texas. Look, losing Deuce Vaughn is a problem, right? Yeah. That's that's an issue. And replacing what he was, not just in terms of the run game, but what he could do out of the backfield and everything else, I mean, that's tough. And we did, you know, obviously do the DJ Giddens video, so shout out to that video. Go watch it if you want their full thoughts there. But Guys, like, how are they going to replace him? What are they going to have to do on offense to keep up with it? Obviously, we're high on Will Howard, but what are they going to have to do to stay, you know, as good as they were last year on offense? And also, what do you think this team's real ceiling is in terms of what they could do this year? I think we're all pretty high on them, but, like, how high are we willing to go on this team? Get ready for the greatest roast of all time, the Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. For for me, I think it's I think the absolute ceiling's probably eleven and one. I don't think they get through Big Twelve play unscathed because they do have some really interesting opponents, especially after that bye week at Oklahoma State, at Texas Tech, they host TCU, they host Houston, uh, and then they go to Texas as well. So I just don't I, I feel like they get clipped somewhere in there. Guys, I'll say this. At Missouri, September 16th is a tricky game. It's a rivalry game. 
Now, depending on which side of the fence you're on with Missouri, you could either think that's absolutely a, a game that Kansas State could lose. You could say Kansas State wins that one by 24. Um, I, I think it's a very, very tricky road game for Kansas State early in the season. To answer your running back question, they they don't have a Deuce Vaughn who can do it all, but Sean Ward, I think, is, is going to be very, very close. He can run between the tackles. He can also catch passes out of the backfield. DJ Giddens is more of that heavy physical presence who's going to run downhill. They have the pieces on the roster to keep that offense humming. I'm going to choose to believe in Will Howard and Colin Klein, and, uh, and their defense should be very, very good as well as long as the secondary can hold up. Yeah, their ceiling is doing what TCU did last year and catching lightning in a bottle and running through the Big 12. I mean, we could say that about a lot of teams in the conference this year. I mean, I don't think any of us were saying about TCU last year, so maybe we look towards the bottom of the league to see a true lightning in a bottle situation. But yeah, I mean, Kansas state, if they get hot and if they just have things go their way, if they keep the turnover margin high, if they keep getting takeaways and don't turn the football over, which will Howard was very good at not turning the football over last year until he saw the Alabama defense in the sugar bowl, then yeah, they can do exactly what TCU did last year and run through the conference. going to be fun. Uh, Kansas state. I think we're all very high on them would not shock us to see them. Uh, make it to Arlington, um, see a lot of purple T-shirts in the stands. Uh, once again, speaking of purple T-shirts, guys, Garrett, you're wearing one right now. Uh, let's talk about our friends over at Homefield Apparel. Homefield is a premium collegiate apparel brand based in Indianapolis. You know them. You love them. They make some of the softest, uh, most creative vintage designs for all college sports fans. Got the email notification yesterday that another hall of Homefield is on its way from the factory, can't wait to, to dive into that. We've got some Iowa. We've got an Oregon State shirt that's en route. Uh, you guys went for a couple of Big 12 shirts as well. We'll be unveiling those on the podcast very, very soon. But uh, best of all, you can head on over, check them out. They've got comfort colors for just about every team uh, that you could possibly imagine. And if you use code 3TechPod at checkout, you get 15% off your entire order. It's a partnership that we're very, very excited about. Excited to be affiliated with the Homefield brand and creating some awesome content for them. So head on over, homefieldapparel.com. Use our code 3TechPod at checkout for 15% off. Going to keep it in the purple family here, guys. TCU is next up on our list. We've talked about them. They, they caught lightning in a bottle, right? The Cinderella story was a, a cocaine train until they ran into the Georgia Bulldogs, and that was unfortunate. We don't need to... To re-dissect that, re-litigate that game. But uh, 13-2 and two last season, we didn't even have them making a bowl game last season. So it's safe to say that TCU overperformed the 3 Big 12, man. That's the Big 12 for you. That's right. That's right. That, and that's why the chaos in this conference makes it must-watch on a week-in, week-out basis. The over-under last year was six and a half wins. So they had Vegas fooled as well. Uh, Sunny Dykes. Man, he's kind of king of Fort Worth right now. Was on the cover of Dave Campbell's Texas High School Football. If you live in the Lone Star State and you pick that up, you know how big of a deal that is. Was actually uh, the second member of the Dykes family to make it on that cover. His father, Spike, was on the cover about 30 years ago. Um, so this year's edition pays homage to that as well. Kendall Bryles comes down to be the new offensive coordinator now that Garrett Riley is out at Clemson. Shout out to the family for making that graphic on the private plane. That was interesting. Uh, gentlemen, the, the team strength for this Horn Frog team 
is going to be the skill position players. Uh, when you look at the transfer portal, what they were able to do, they brought in a host of talent, mostly from a little further east in Alabama. Uh, they also brought in a really fun wide receiver in John Paul Richardson from Oklahoma State, but the running back wide receiver rooms are taken care of. If there's a weakness on this team, I think it's going to be interior offensive line. They lose three starters, including Steve Avila. They're all Big 12 center. Replacing the interior of that offensive line is going to be important for Chandler Morris, who finally gets his chance at quarterback this year. Chandler was a starter last year, won the job over Max Duggan, and then got hurt in that game against Colorado. And, well, the rest is history. Duggan goes on to be uh, a Heisman finalist and, and take TCU somewhere where they had never been before. So the question is with Chandler, is he the guy? He finally gets his shot. Can he live up to that expectation on a very, very talented team? Talked about the running back and wide receiver rooms. You start with Trey Anderson or Trey Sanders, excuse me, who's an Alabama transfer. Monty Bailey is also back. He was on the team last year and, and took over when uh, Keandre Miller went down with an injury. All he did was run for 8.1 yards of carry. So I think Bailey's going to be a really solid option for the Frogs. Wide receiver room is, if not for Texas, probably the most loaded wide receiver room in the conference. They've got Savian Williams, who's the Quentin Johnston replacement. Big physical receiver is going to stretch the field. You've got JoJo Earl, local kid from Alito, who comes back from Alabama. And then I mentioned John Paul Richardson comes over from Oklahoma State. All three of those guys have the potential to lead this team in receptions, in touchdowns, in total yardage. They're that good. On the defensive side, it's a pretty balanced defense that's coming back. Now, they did lose a couple of really pivotal pieces, right? Uh, Hodges Tomlinson, number one cornerback for them a season ago. He's gone. Dee Winters, their captain, middle linebacker, he's gone. So how do they replace him? Well, Josh Newton takes over in the secondary. He's going to be your most impressive cornerback to watch this season, a guy who's really high on most NFL draft radars. Um, you've got Johnny Hodges, who played really well last year. He's got to step up to reach that D Winters level uh, of play at the linebacker spot. And then you've got Dominic Williams on the defensive line, played 611 snaps, Woo. defensive tackle, true freshman season, by the way. So the kid was on the field quite a bit. Um, their schedule, guys, very workable. Very, very workable. My When I sat down to write this preview, initially I thought there's no way that they get anywhere close to doing what they did last year. And then you look at the schedule, and if TCU can get some momentum going, they're going to run right through this. I've got them at 10-2. and two. I think they beat Colorado in a pivotal opening game. They go to Houston. They have a big game against SMU coming up week four. Don't sleep on the ponies. Uh, but other than that, they get West Virginia, Iowa State, BYU in consecutive weeks before they play Kansas State. That's right before the bye week. And then after the bye, they've just got four games, Texas Tech, Texas, Baylor, and TCU. Now, for me, those last four games are going to be crucial because you hope TCU goes into the bye healthy. Maybe they go in with a loss against Kansas State that's on the road. If they can hold serve and hold their own in those final four games, I think double-digit wins are absolutely on the calendar for TCU this year. The problem is Texas uh, and, and Oklahoma and then Texas Tech, they're all going to want their shots, right? That Texas Tech game is after the bye for both teams, and it's on a Thursday night in crazy Lubbock. I mean, 
you, you could see TCU going 10 and 2. You could see them going 7 and 5, just depending on where you break out this schedule. Yeah, and I see them going 10 and 2. Personally, I have them uh, pretty much winning until Kansas State. Obviously, at Kansas State, it's going to be a tough one. I just talked about what I think Kansas State can do. Um, and then I do think that they'll probably lose that matchup with Texas Tech uh, right out of the bye. Like you're saying, Mitch, just it's. It's both out of the bye for both of them. It's a Thursday night in Lubbock. And, you know, I know that the students might have to go to bed, you know, so they can get up for their Friday classes, but um, that's probably not <laughs> happening with how heated this little rivalry has become in the last couple of years. Uh, look, you know, for me, TCU, they're, they're a really good football team. And, you know, year one with Sonny Dykes, they went to the playoff. They went to the national championship game. Um, and I obviously got embarrassed when they got there, but, that's not a small feat. That's something that most teams would call their best season ever. And so, you know, for TCU, that's that's a fantastic campaign. Are they going to be able to do that again this year? I think most people would tell you no. Um, but that's probably not what they're saying inside the locker room in Fort Worth. You know, Chandler Morris, really, really good quarterback. I still think we're in a little bit of wait and see because we haven't seen what he can do really. But, man, he's going to have the talent around him. And while some teams, you look at what they lost and they're just replacing it from inside the roster and recruiting and whatever else, I think a lot of these position groups and the skill positions can get better year over year just based on what they're able to add in the transfer portal. Trey Sanders from Alabama, very good running back. Uh, JoJo Earl as well. John Paul Richardson might be the underrated name in that room. I think that he's going to be really, really good. Oklahoma State is going to be missing him. Uh, out wide and so you know I think when you look at what this team can do offensively I think they can keep it right up and I know everyone's gonna say yeah they lost Garrett Riley and I agree with you that's a massive loss but let's not pretend like Kendall Bryles isn't a great offensive mind who can keep some of this going Sonny Dykes as well really good offensive mind so I, I think these guys can kind of keep it up keep things running in the right direction um, maybe there's a little bit of a step down. Maybe there's a little bit of a, you know, a, a slow roll. But when you look at what they have on the schedule, they got plenty of time to break that in. Um, I don't really see a tough game for them until probably Kansas State. Um, SMU, I think, will give them a lot of a lot of problems just in terms of what they can do on offense. But I, I, SMU does not have a defense. They're still waiting to put the D back in Dallas. Um, and and I, again, I think we're just waiting to see. Uh, you know, what they'll do until Kansas State. I think they got kind of, I don't want to say cakewalk necessarily, but if they do what they need to do, they will be able to break in their offense before that tough stretch towards the end of their schedule, which, yeah, that's tough. But I, I think they'll get the chance to do that. I think things will be, you know, back on the winning ways for TCU. But 10-2 and two ultimately for me has them coming in third in the conference. They just lose to the wrong people in conference, and that's kind of wraps for the Horn Frogs. The close is brutal. The, no home game for a month uh, from between October 14th and November 12th. Um, that, that's brutal. Um, at Tech, uh, Texas, Oklahoma, Baylor. To close our Baylor, Oklahoma, to close it out, Baylor's a big rivalry game. Even if they're not as talented on paper as some of those other teams, it's a big rivalry game. Guys, is there any concern? For me, the biggest one about TCU is it's just a completely different core on both sides of the ball. Right. And it just felt like they had a magical run last year. And that new core is going to be talented. But that mind meld that Garrett Riley had with Max Duggan that then translated to Kendra Miller and Quentin Johnson and the other receivers that they had that have gone on to the NFL, that was just special week in and week out. And by the end of the year, you just had no doubt that they were going to get the yards they needed. They were going to score on the drive that they needed to, you know, punch it in to go up or they were going to kick the field goal 
with one second remaining in Baylor, right? There's just not a lot of doubt by the end of that year. Are you guys concerned that that could be just a magical one-off year? And with all these new faces, especially on the offensive side of the ball, that that magic could struggle to come back, even if they are talented in the positions that they are coaching and on the field. It, yeah, it absolutely could. I mean, gosh, the the second act is often harder than the first, right? To to show up and do it again, a different quarterback, different you know engines to drive that offense. I mentioned the offensive line is not intact. They lose their three interior guys. So yeah, it's going to be an absolute struggle. I I do think I think TCU has a, a good chance to do something special the first half of the season. I mean, you know, the way I look at it, if they go nine and three, they're either either losing to Kansas State, so going eight and one into the bye week and then dropping two games after, or they beat Kansas State on the road in kind of a war of attrition, and then drop three of the next four. And I think losing to Tech, losing to Texas, losing to Oklahoma, all absolutely on the cards. Um, This is, I think this is the most brutal close of any team in the Big 12. And uh, yeah, if if Chandler Morris, you know, struggles, if that offense can't produce like it did a season ago, they're going to drop some games late. Yeah, and I think that there's reasons to be concerned about it. I want to pull up some of the stats that we have for them. If you look at the returning production, that's really where your concern is. Uh, only bringing back 52% overall um, and losing just some. I mean, you're 130th in offensive returning. So somebody out there is worse than you. I don't know who off the top of my head, but it's only one um, in terms of who's bringing back less on offense. Um, but if you look at the offensive ranks, nothing about that was necessarily like outstanding. There were some really good numbers. But nothing about those were, you know, I don't see any like twos and threes and fours up there in terms of just being exceptionally good in one category. But what you look at is you do see that in scoring, they came in ninth, right? So despite maybe not massive numbers anywhere else, you see that they still scored points and they were able to do it somewhat consistently uh, on a fairly regular basis. So what I think is probably most likely is that when you get to that last part of the schedule that we've been talking about, there's a really good chance that a lot of these guys have been able to build that connection. Again, I think it's a slow rollout. So you're going to have a chance for all these pieces to start to fit together, to let them start to win some games, get a little bit of confidence in them, get a little bit of that swagger back in the locker room, you know, and, and when you can do that, then I don't know, right? At that point, it's really is Sonny Dykes, just the guy is he about to be one of the best coaches in college football and TCU is going to be a perennial contender or was that yeah was that just a little bit magical and now we're going to do a little bit of backsliding and yeah they'll still be good but maybe not compete at that level ever again I think that's really the big question if you're making me pick I think they can do it again I just think that there's so much else in the big 12 this year that they're going to have trouble actually doing it on the field on paper they've got it for me, it's really just when they get onto the field and they play and they have to line up against all of Texas and Tech and Oklahoma and Kansas State. I just don't see how you don't drop two of those games. Yeah, it's a tough draw schedule wise. And guys, the last thing I'll say is they went nine and one last year in games decided by 10 points or fewer. Nine and one. That That's really hard to replicate. I think they're going to have a good season. I, I don't know that the magic is going to be back. I think I have them in the eight and four, nine and three range this year, beating the Vegas over under, but magical might not be what you described this season for the Horn Frogs. 
I think it's going to come down. If, if they're going to win double-digit games, for me, I wrote in our preview, it's going to come down to if they can beat Oklahoma in Norman. Um, I think nine and three would be a great second season for Sonny Dykes. Yeah, I don't think absolutely. a lot of I don't think a lot of people can realistically complain about nine and three um, given this schedule. But if they could punch Oklahoma in the mouth uh, in that final Big Twelve game, boy, that would be that would be bragging rights forever. And uh, I think TCU <laughs> could could potentially pull it off. Guys, Texas and Oklahoma are not the only headliners. When it comes to the Big 12, TCU is not the only headliner when it comes to the Big 12 this season. We've got four newcomers as well. And this is kind of the part of the preview where we want to talk through some of those newcomers. We'll get to the rest of the the legacies here in a minute. But we didn't want to just push the newcomers down to the bottom of the preview because there's such an interesting story here for the Big 12. As it's in this period of transition, Texas and Oklahoma are on the way out. They're onboarding UCF, Cincinnati, Houston, BYU. And I think as we kind of talk about all four of these teams, we agree that UCF is is probably the most interesting. There's a chance that Cincinnati, if their offense is average, could have a winning record. There's a chance that if BYU can stop anybody, uh, that they could be really solid with Keaton Slovis, right? Houston, same deal. If their defense can do anything, if they can get really good production on Donovan Smith, maybe they have a chance at a winning record. But I'll turn this to you guys. Out of those four teams, which one do you see being the most plucky and having the highest ceiling in 2023? It's weird because I think those might be two different questions. I I think UCF is going to be the most plucky. I love the offense. I love the leadership of Gus Malzahn. I love that John Reese Plumley has played in a major conference and he's been entrenched as a starter for a long time. And I love that he's tailor-made for Gus Malzahn's offense. I think that that's going to give a lot of teams on their schedule that have never seen that offense before a lot of problems this year. Like they, they have a couple of opportunities early on in that conference schedule at Kansas state hosting Baylor. I think that's a big opportunity to make a statement for UCF. Um, going to Oklahoma, uh, having you know road games towards the end against Texas Tech, Oklahoma State, Houston at home. They have a lot of statement opportunities. Highest ceiling, and th- this is might be a little bias throwing because shout out to the Transfer Portal CFB magazine. I, I wrote the preview for BYU. If Keaton Slovis can come in and be more like the USC Keaton Slovis and less like the Pitt Keaton Slovis, then I think BYU has a very high ceiling. I I think the offense has a lot of fun weapons. They've got in a transfer running back from UNLV that ran for a thousand yards. The defense has struggled to stop a nosebleed for the last couple of years, but Kalani Sataki, he canned one of his closest friends that had been the DC for him for the entire time that he'd been head coach of BYU and Kalani Sataki, a defensive guy, finally said enough is enough. We got to get this fixed. And he hires Weaver state's head coach, Jay Hill, who had run some fantastic defenses at the FCS level at Weaver state and really caused a lot of problems. to Some of the bigger powers in that conference. I like BYU schedule. I, I think it's tricky in the middle and tricky at the very end with Oklahoma and Oklahoma state. But I think there's a lot of nice runways for them to get some chemistry. I think the Arkansas game is tricky but what if Keaton Slovis balls out and KJ Jefferson has an off day at the end of September, right? Like yeah. that's not out of the question. 
They've got to find somebody to throw the football to. That they, they're losing a lot of production in um, Puka Nakua and Gunnar Romney. Those are two great weapons that are leaving the BYU program. They've got to find someone to step up at receiver. They've got to figure out how they're going to cover guys on defense. I like that they're bringing new blood in, but I could see them having a very high ceiling this year. Yeah, I, I think for me, the the highest ceiling and really the biggest team to look for here is UCF. You were talking about them just a second ago. I don't think we really expect too much out of Houston or Cincinnati. A lot of speculation on, well, what if and kind of and sort of, and it's nice and, Look, don't get me wrong. I, I love Dana Holgerson as much as the next guy, but it I, I'm not a Houston believer this that, year. That love but. is dwindling, I, I will say. <laughs> the next guy might not love Dana Holgerson all that much, Garrett. Yeah, well, you know, I mean, maybe not. But, you know, I think I look at this and I say, you know, if we're looking at UCF and thinking about what they could do, yeah, you're right. They have a lot of spots where they could trip somebody up. It's a bad day to be a bear on September 30th at the bounce house. It's going to be their conference opener. It's going to be the first chance for their fans to really be at a big 12 home game and, and get to do that. So it's, it's bad to be a bear. I think Baylor probably escapes that game anyways, but there's, it's, Closer to a coin toss than probably most people in, in Waco would want it to be. Gus Malzahn, for what you want to say, he's a really good coach and he's got that championship pedigree. That's not something that very many, if any, I'm having to kind of think, but I don't think anyone else in the Big 12 can say that as a as a head coach yet, that they have championship pedigree. So, um, look, it's 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 something when they're coming into it. And if you got a guy like John Reese Plumley who can really play well and you know, I, I think that he's enough of a difference maker at quarterback that he can get a bad team or even just a, a decent team on a bad day. He could get one of those teams and maybe make a little bit of noise. Uh, I do have them going seven and five, so I think they will hit their over. Uh, but I don't think they're going to be necessarily great this year. But I do think that they'll make some noise and maybe establish themselves going forward in the Big 12 now that we're going to be losing Texas and Oklahoma. For, for UCF, the other thing to mention, they have a fascinating start to the season in non-conference play. They host Kent State, then they go to Boise State. Now, we haven't gotten to the group of five, but Boise State will likely be the favorite to win the Mountain West Conference. And I, I don't I don't really see how UCF travels the second week of the season to the blue turf and, and wins that game. So I think they're already going to come out of non-conference play with at least one blemish, but... Yeah, then that that sunflower sandwich with Baylor in the middle. They've got Kansas State, Baylor, and then Kansas a bye week before Oklahoma, um, and then the rest of the schedule gets kind of manageable. It's a it's going to be an offensive shootout to end the season, uh, hosting Oklahoma State, going to Lubbock, and then hosting Houston. I mean, boy, you you talk about taking the over on some of the point spreads. I think smashing the over November 11th through the 25th is is probably sound financial advice. <laughs> Uh, if you're betting uh, UCF football, I, I'll I'll take us over to Cincinnati because you guys are a little bit lower on Cincinnati, and I can understand that, right? Nine and four a season ago, um, Scott Satterfield is now the head coach after Luke Fickle goes north to Wisconsin. Um, the offense did is not going to impress a lot of people, at least on paper, right? Emory Jones, who's on his third stop is now likely going to win that job, um, that quarterback battle coming over from Arizona State. They do have some really interesting wide receivers. And if you listen to our interview with uh, the TNT College Football Podcast, Bobby Wilson, who's a UConn insider, uh, who I was having a fascinating conversation with today, I'll, I'll just say this. 
if you see UConn rumors on your timeline, I think you can buy stock in that. That's all I'll say for right now. I'm not going to break any break any news here, but the, the rumors are likely to be true. Uh, Aaron Turner was a guy that we talked about coming over from UConn. He was their leading wide receiver a season ago. He's now at Cincinnati. They've got D. Wiggins coming over from Louisville. They've got Donovan Ollie coming over from Wazoo. It's going to be a lot of fun, I think, chess pieces to move around the Cincinnati board. Now, their offensive line could be a complete disaster. They only have one returning starter at center, uh, and they've got to learn an entirely new blocking scheme. So, you know, Emory Jones hasn't exactly been a difference maker in his career. Now they've got a new offensive line. They've got transfer wide receivers coming in. Like, where's the stability? Well, the stability might be on the defensive side of the ball. I just want to shout out Dante, the godfather Corleone, was the highest graded defensive player in the country last year as a true freshman per uh, pro football focus. So shout out the Godfather. Um, Daniel Grizak comes over from Utah State to play linebacker as well. Had a very, very productive season there. So Cincinnati is going to be interesting because as you pull up their schedule, I, I can get them to five and seven. I think their ceiling might be seven wins if they can pull off a couple of upsets, but that game against Pitt in week two is going to be fascinating. That Miami-Ohio game is not an automatic win. The Red Hawks should actually be kind of decent this year. Um, they don't have just a, a terrifying conference schedule in the Big 12. Like Cincinnati actually has a very workable schedule. They'll probably lose to Oklahoma in their Big 12 opener. But then they go on the road to Brigham Young. They uh, host Iowa State and Baylor in back-to-back weeks. We'll see what Oklahoma State does. We'll talk about them in a minute. But then, uh, you know, the, the rest of the the weeks, it's like, yeah, you could see Cincinnati with a decent offense winning a couple of those games and getting to bowl eligibility. So I'm not going to necessarily convince you, hey, take the over on Cincinnati's five and a half. I think that is an awesome line. I have them just missing it, five and seven. When I look at their schedule and say, realistically, here's what they're going to do. I have them at the under that being said though, they are one of those teams that I think on a given week in the big 12, you're not thrilled if you're having to go North to Cincinnati and play the Bearcats. I mean, you know, how, how far off from that take are you guys? I don't hate it. And I love that they avoid the big three in Texas, right? They don't play Texas tech or TCU uh, at all this year. And I think that's huge. If you're trying to find a way to a bowl game this year, I just don't know that I trust Scott Satterfield. Like I, okay. I, I don't know that anyone in Garrett the ACC. I know Garrett doesn't like Scott Satterfield. I was going to say, where did he coach last year? <laughs> I don't know if I trust this uh, Scott guy. Yeah, the thirty-one to seven against Syracuse on opening week last year was uh, not a good way to endear uh, Garrett's heart to him. But I don't want to talk about it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I just don't know that I'm ready to get on his bandwagon yet. I think if you're looking at Louisville, their fans seem to be more excited that he left than that they had to find a replacement for him. Yeah. And I don't know. Like I'm just kind of in wait and see mode at best on Scott Satterfield and seeing what he can do with that offense and retooling it. But I don't think the take is far off. I think they definitely have the schedule where they can maybe muscle their way to a bowl game. Yeah. Yeah. I've got them at four and eight personally. I don't think they're going to be very good. Lost a whole lot, obviously, with the coaching staff walking out the yeah. door. Um, yeah, I don't like Scott Satterfield too much. I don't think he's going to be all that great. I, he could be good. He could just, you know, turn it on at Cincinnati maybe. 
you know, the bright lights of Louisville were a little too bright for him. And now at Cincinnati, something changes. I, that's totally pulling something out of my butt. Cause I have no idea why that would be the case. Um, but I, you know, it's, it's speculation. I think at this point, if Satterfield is actually going to do well at Cincinnati, I, I think maybe there's a path there, but if you're looking at the teams that are currently the newcomers, I don't know that Cincinnati is not maybe, I, I would say they're probably fourth in terms of, I would say long-term upside just in terms of the fact that you've got, you know, Houston, they've, you know, they're in the state of Texas footprint. They're right there in a great recruiting spot. You know, BYU, I think they've got more reasons to believe in them long-term. UCF for sure has more reasons to believe in them long-term. I don't know why I believe in Cincinnati long-term as a new member of the conference. It could be a little bit of rough sledding these first couple of years in the conference for them. That's a fascinating thing to break down maybe on another show. I think that would be yeah, for really sure. fascinating. What, what do we think about Houston, though? Because I, you know, recency bias for me personally, I rewatched the Tech Texas game from last year, and Donovan Smith started that game. And if you don't know, Donovan Smith is now the starting quarterback for Dana Holgerson's fighting Cougars. And that pairing could be fun. What do we, what do we think about the Cougars this year? I think Houston's offense is – gonna score a lot of points i think they can they have the big play potential that's for sure now they lost some guys to the transfer portal uh alton mccaskill their leading rusher goes to colorado kind of you know did not have some great things to say about houston some other transfers kind of seconded that so Dana holgerson's i think a little bit on the hot seat right now i think the team underperformed last year greatly there were we were talking about Houston having a chance to go 12 and 0 last year. And they went eight and five and five and three in the American, right? Yeah. Oops. Um, that astronomical loss to SMU where it was like 90 to, to 88. It felt like, like just scoring every other possession. Houston had no defense and guys, I don't think Houston has a ton of defense this year. Um, they have some intriguing edge players. They didn't have a lot of pass rush last year. David Uguegbu comes over from Oklahoma, had 208 tackles while he was a Sooner, 16 tackles for losses. They've got Nelson Caesar Jr. For me on defense, they've got to start getting getting pressure on the quarterback. The offense is going to be a lot of fun, though. Donovan Smith at quarterback. Their wide receiver core should be fun. Josh Cobbs transfers in from Wyoming. Stephen Johnson transfers in from Oklahoma State. Matthew Golden was their second-best receiver a season ago behind Tank Dell. The problem for me is their schedule. Houston's schedule uh, could get off to a really bumpy start. They play the anti-Cincinnati schedule. <laughs> oh, dude, they host UTSA in week one. That's a loss. They host TCU <laughs> in week three. That's a loss. They go to Tech in week five. I think that's a loss. So, yep. you know, kind of glass half full. You're two and three to start the year before an early bye. Rice and is then, lucky too, man. That and Rice could be fun this year too. They, they could, they could. There's a lot of momentum behind Rice trying to make a bowl game this year, which, uh, spoiler alert, I don't have Houston getting to a bowl game. Uh, then you play Texas, Kansas State, Baylor, Cincinnati, Oklahoma State, UCF uh, to finish. The issue that I'm having is outside of Baylor and Cincinnati, all of those teams can score a lot of points. And I don't know that your defense down in Houston is going to be able to stop teams that can score a lot of points. So for me, I have a very disappointing four and eight, two and seven conference record. I don't know if Dana Holgerson survives that, certainly considering kind of some of the negative headlines that they had about that program. I mean, 
you had former former Cougars saying, yeah, nobody wants to go down with the ship here, and that's why they transferred out. So I think it's a very inauspicious start to the Big 12 uh, regime for Dana Holgerson and the Houston Cougars. Yeah, I feel like Holgerson's going to have a little bit of rope just because it is the Big 12 and it's their first year, so maybe he gets a little extra leash to, you know, okay, we'll give you one more year, figure it out, be more competitive type of thing, but yeah, guys, you're right. That schedule is brutal. That's that's just the, whoever was making the schedule did them zero favors whatsoever. Um, it's it's going to be a rough year for them. I also have them at four and eight. I don't see a lot of wins on the schedule. They play just about all of the good teams, um, and they don't miss very many, or they don't play very many of the bad teams. Um, it I guess. kind of feels it kind of feels like when they were making these schedules with the newcomers, they were like, oh shoot, like we, gosh, Houston's got to play. Who's Houston playing? Well, they're going to play Texas Tech on the road oh shoot they've got to. i guess they'll host texas we'll throw them a bone they'll play well, with them crap I mean, they got to go to, to to the little apple oh shoot like they right. gotta send them to the bounce house like it, just the hits keep coming it's it's like an 80s track like just just roll one right after the other and i don't see a lot of wins on this schedule I, I just don't and i think they were trying to do them a favor by letting them kind of get into the conference and like play some of the teams and not just be like hey we're gonna make the new guys play each other and yeah, yeah, I guess he could play like Iowa State or something. And they wanted him to be able to get like fully, I guess, baptized into the Big 12. But And Houston like, has all those historic rivalries too. Right. right? They're playing like pretty much their entire old Southwest yeah. Conference schedule this yeah. year. Right, which is nice for them. And yeah, I mean, maybe not so much in terms of results, but it's nice that they get some of those games back. Um, they'll get some sellouts at their stadium. They'll, yeah, they'll definitely sell some tickets. But yeah, it's, it's I, I don't know. I don't see a whole lot of wins on the schedule. I see if they are getting baptized in the big 12, they're getting dunked for sure. And then they'll be drenched by the end of it. So I, I feel bad for them, but you know, maybe long-term they'll be okay. I think they have better projections forward than Cincinnati does, but their pastor, their pastor decided to start the prayer while they're, they're still being held underwater. Yeah. Like they're, they're gonna, oh. they're, yeah, there's, there's some bubbles like coming up to the surface. Yeah. Um, Trey moving on. Who did who did Donovan Smith play quarterback for last year? Your Texas Tech Red Raiders. And and who do you have making it to Arlington this year? Your Texas Tech Red Raiders. I've been on that train since February, I think. And okay. guys, I'm not I'm not getting off the train yet. I I have them making it to Arlington, and we told you there'd be hot takes on the show. We we did we warned you off the top. We said take your nitroglycerin pills. Make sure that you are buckled up and ready to go. Look at that close last year, guys. Look at that four straight wins to close after bowl eligibility was in question. Joey Mack rallies the troops, has just a great offense and a fun defense, even though they don't have the stats. What's not to like? I, so, I, listen, I was I was a Red Raider. Texas Tech was one of my darlings last year, so I am as big of a Red Raider on this show as you will find. Um Kansas was a banged-up Kansas team that was a four-point win against an Iowa State team that couldn't score points against tackle dummies. That is the elite Iowa State defense, sir. Thank you <laughs> very much. Uh, we'll get to them. And then they, you know, it took overtime and a huge comeback. They were down like a million to Oklahoma um, in the season finale. Listen, all of those were wins. Those are in green, not red. Tell me, tell me why Texas Tech. Listen, I, I've already proclaimed that I'm going to pick Texas Tech to beat Oregon in week two. But tell me why Texas Tech, in your mind, has a chance to go. What you have them going ten and two? Is that right? And reaching Arlington? 
I do. And the reason why is for me twofold. I think the schedule does them a lot of favors. When you look at, you know, they have the early season game, not for the big 12 standings, but Oregon at home. I think that's going to be a massive game. All of their other big games, other than the Texas one at the end of the season are at home, Kansas state, uh, tech, uh, TCU, excuse me. Uh, they do go to Baylor, but in a rivalry game and Baylor did wax them last year, but I, their big games are at home for the most part. That last one of the year at Texas, I doesn't that just feel like a storybook ending to a season, right? Joey McGuire has his guys fired up. It's Texas last regular season, big 12 game, maybe playing for a spot in Arlington. Yeah. The red Raiders knocked the Longhorns, the hated Longhorns out of that title. game. It just feels like, I don't know that. Listen, I don't have a lot of substance here. I'll, I'll be the first to say that. There's a lot of fun pieces on offense. I think Tyler Shuck seems to finally be healthy. If he's not Maverick McNeely, I think could be a fun backup quarterback, right? And I'm remembering that, right? That's their backup quarterback. No, right? I think it's Baron Morton now. Baron Morton. I guess those two confused all the time. But Baron McNeely Morton, might be at like McNeese State or something. I, I think he might be. You're right. But Baron Morton is who I was thinking of. And I think even if Tyler Shuck's not healthy, I think Baron Morton showed a lot of fun potential last year as well when he was thrown in there play calling was a little susceptible when he was in there but listen they they have a lot of fun weapons they have Taj Brooks and Sir Roderick Thompson in the backfield Sir Roderick Thompson feels like he's been there for 10 years but um, they've got some fun wide receiver transfers the defense uh, Joey Max feels like he has a better defensive line this year I've seen that written a lot of places not just in our transfer portal magazine but that's what he's beating the drum for. It was at media days a couple weeks ago. Yeah. Yeah. He was beating the drum that even though they lost Tyree Wilson, that we, that they're going to have a better defensive line and better pass rush this year. And maybe that's just coach speak. Maybe that's just, you know, trying to hype up his team and motivate him. But I really believe in what he's building in Lubbock. And I think that they're going to surprise a lot of people this year. They do have some warts. I think every team in the big 12 has some warts. But I'm really excited to see what they put on the field this fall, and I think they're going to take a big step forward. Garrett, that offensive line was atrocious last year, um, but they get rusty stats over from from Western Kentucky. He follows all names yep. over Perfect just a name for Texas Tech football. That's right. Uh, he follows Zach Kitley over, who obviously was the OC last year. Um, this team is going to score a lot of points. I tend to believe the defense is going to be a lot better this year as Tim well. Tim is a great defensive coordinator. Let's just he, say that. Like he, he has all the skins on the wall from a ton of previous stops. Yeah. For Garrett, for you, if tech can play defense, what's your ceiling for the red Raiders? Yeah. So I guess ceiling and projection are two slightly different things. I, I think I have them currently going nine and three, uh, dropping some of the big matchups uh, their ceiling, look, this team could be really, really good. I mean, I, I think we all believe in what Joey Mack's doing. I think we all believe in what they could do. But, yeah, you're right. If they play slightly better defense, they could be a really, really solid team. I'm looking at their last year's numbers. Let me pull those up real quick. Looking at some of those last year numbers, those defensive ranks are kind of gross. Um, there's there's no way around it. The red zone number aside, right, there are some solid numbers. But what I'm seeing there is if I look at the bottom, red zone percent was good. And then the tackles for losses, that's actually a pretty good number. They seem like they do a good job kind of getting in the backfield and, you know, 
actually disrupting things. And that's going to kind of be the formula for success, I think, against a lot of teams this year. And the Big 12 is just kind of disrupting quarterbacks. I talked about how Quinn has problems at Texas when he's got, you know, a little bit of pressure in his face. But you can probably apply that to a young Chandler Morris at TCU or, you know, some of the other you know top guys. I bet if you get to Will Howard, there's going to be some problems up there at Kansas State as well. So, ceiling i mean they could be really really good this year i don't want to you know predict a tcu run or anything like that i don't think that they have that in them but i mean you look at what they did into the season against uh against ole miss i mean i know that you can question whether ole miss was excited to be there but that's not really an excuse you got to show up and play your bowl games and they did not show up and they did not play their bowl game they got absolutely destroyed at the end of the season by the Texas Tech Red Raiders. And so they're riding that into this season, I think with a lot of hope and a lot of optimism at what they could do. Um, I think ceiling is they could end up playing for and even winning the big 12 this year. I think that that's not off the table for a Texas Tech team. I, I, I'm not picking that to happen, to be clear. We already talked about that. I've got Kansas State and Texas. I have Kansas State winning it. But there's a lot of reasons to say, yeah, Trey, you're saying it. Like storybook ending, man. Why not take your last shot at Texas on the way out? ruin their season, you know, the at the very end against Texas, right? You know, kick them out of the championship game, send them back into the SEC, right? That sounds like something Texas Tech is built to do. Just kind of, you know, put two fingers in your eye holes and just kind of go with that. And <laughs> I, I think I think that's kind of Texas Tech's brand sometimes with the way that they play football. So I, I think they could do it. I think it could be fun. They got the chance. The one thing you'll say with them, when you look at the schedule, they have the chance – to ruin some seasons and put themselves in position. They can control their fate. They play Kansas State. They play TCU. They play Texas. Go 3-0, and you're in the championship game. Yeah, and, and win a lot of headlines for sure. Oh, yeah. um, I'll, I'll take this to once again plant my flag week two. I think the Red Raiders knock Oregon off. I believe it got called a goofball last time I had yeah. that take. So, guys, I'd like to double down. I think Tech will play improved defense this year. And I would like to say that I'm picking the Red Raiders to beat Oregon and Lubbock uh, week two. Also, shout out Dre McCray, one of the kind of best names that I've come across this year. Austin P. transfer over to Texas Tech. He had over 1,000 yards, 75 catches for the Governors last year. He's playing for the Red Raiders now, which uh, in that offense, Zach Kitley's offense, oh, man, this is going to be a ton of fun. So uh, One last thing on Tech, if you're struggling to get on the Tyler Shuck bandwagon, I get it. But that stretch run last year is when Tyler Shuck returned from injury. Uh, like Look that good. run yeah. completely correlated with Shuck coming back from injury. The offense looked more cohesive. A lot of their losses. I love Donovan Smith as a player. He's a lot of fun, but he turned the ball over like it was going out of style last year. And that was a big problem in a lot of their losses as well. So stability at the quarterback position could lead to a really fun season. Guys, let's move through the Oklahoma schools now. I think we expect the Sooners to be much better this year they were uh, one of the best half teams of last season they were scoring about 30 points a game they were also giving up about 30 points a game and it resulted in six and seven season they went three and six in conference uh, a less than inspiring first effort from brent venables and the boys the good news for the sooners is this year ted roof has a bunch of new pieces to play with and Oklahoma is expected to be much more physical on the defensive side of the ball. They're also, they should, I think, keep up that offensive output. Now, listen, they lose uh, a proven running back um, in um, not Javante Barnes. He's Eric Gray. 
Yes, Air Gray. Um, their offensive line loses a couple of tackles that were drafted, and they lose a couple of wide receivers as well. Now, Dylan Gabriel was a Big 12 newcomer of the year last season. Um, I think Oklahoma has 10-win potential in them this season. Uh, 3,100 yards for Gabriel last year, 25 touchdowns. You have the two running backs in Javante Barnes and Gavin Sawchuck, who were both freshmen last year. They rushed for 600 yards and six touchdowns combined. That was kind of in the second and third roles. So I think you're going to see them take a nice step forward. On defense, I mentioned they gave up over 30 points a game last year. The linebackers are going to be so critical to this Oklahoma team succeeding. And they've got Danny Stutzman coming back. He had 125 tackles to lead the team last season. They also get Desan McCullough over from Indiana when we did the Big Ten preview and we kind of eulogized Indiana football for this season. McCullough was was one of the guys speaking at that funeral, right? He's he's on his way out. Maybe the most talented player on the Indiana defense. He's now wearing uh, Sooner Crimson and Cream. I also think the defensive line should be a lot better this year. They really struggled to stop the run at times. Last season, Jordan Kelly, Isaiah Coe, anchor a line that racked up 105 tackles for loss. Then you have Jacob Lacey coming in as well. Uh, guys, as we look towards their schedule, show me the rough part of their schedule. It's very, very balanced, right? Are there tough matchups on it? Yes. Is there a run that you go, oh boy, you know, buckle up? I don't think so. I don't think so. SMU, week two, you cannot fall asleep for that game. SMU will come into your home and beat you. But other than that, at Tulsa, at Cincinnati, Iowa State, like Oklahoma should be comfortably 5-0 and going into that game against Texas, and it's a rivalry game, right? You never know what happened. They're obviously going to be extremely motivated to win after their worst loss in program history to the Longhorns last year. And then you, you go to Kansas, you go to Oklahoma State for Bedlam. I'll give you those aren't the easiest road games, but you finish with West Virginia at BYU and TCU. Outside of TCU don't think the Sooners should have a ton of trouble with that finish where do you guys net out on the Sooners and, and what if you had to give them a percentage chance to be back in Arlington what would that be I, I don't think it's completely unheard of to say that they could be back in Arlington obviously I don't think I've picked them there but I do have them going 10 and 2 just kind of losing to the wrong spots you're right Mitch there's not a tough part of the schedule right they definitely have some spots where they could drop games SMU that's dangerous Texas I think probably their hardest stretch is just at Kansas and at Oklahoma State just because it's two road games and both of those teams I think will be pretty, you know, pretty plucky. I think they'll be, you know, good teams that can score some points. Um, but yeah, I don't think that there's anything where it really goes and you say, oh, wow, this team's going to really, really struggle. I do think they lose to Texas. I do think they'll lose the closer to TCU uh, to finish 10 and 2. That's where I currently have them. Um, and, and I think the big thing that you want to see if you're Oklahoma, because this year, I think for Oklahoma, they're going to struggle with some motivation. They're not what Texas is in terms of the perception within the conference. Teams don't hate Oklahoma the same way they hate Texas. They just don't. They should because Oklahoma's beaten a lot more teams and won a lot more Big 12 championships the last decade or so. But they don't come with the same, I don't know what it is about Texas that teams just seem to hate. I'll say that a little tongue-in-cheek, but... Um, there's just something about those Texas Longhorns that gets people riled up, but that's not what Oklahoma is, right? Oklahoma's not hated at the same level 
as their counterparts who are leaving. And I think they're going to struggle with a little bit of motivation to get up for this one. I think that a lot of Oklahoma fans are looking forward towards the SEC and saying, what do we need to be this year to be able to compete next year in the SEC? What do we have to show ourselves? What do we have to do to really set ourselves up? And I think what they want to see is a much better defensive showing. I think that if you're Oklahoma fans, you just got to play better on defense. They're going to win some games, but looking over at their statistics from last year, just about the only thing they did was tackle for loss. There wasn't a whole lot of tackling anywhere else on the field. Um, they, they get them behind the line of scrimmage every now and then, and that was about it. Not a whole lot. They do you know, return a fair amount, obviously kind of mediocre pedestrian numbers in terms of returning production, but they will bring some guys back, maybe some of that on defense's addition by subtraction, um, and, and we hopefully will see a better product there. But I think if you're Oklahoma – you say, I want to see us play some better defense. It's optional in the Big 12, but if we can keep it close, not get blown out, right, not have a repeat of some of those blowout losses. I'm looking at TCU. I'm looking at Texas. And just a couple of ugly games for them. If they can avoid those blowouts, even if they do lose those games, I don't think you're going to have too many sad feelings in Norman with a 10-2 and two season kind of getting back to their standard. I think they'd feel pretty good about that. Look, if you follow Message Board Geniuses, shout out to that amazing Twitter account. There's some Oklahoma fans, this is not representative of the entire fan base by any means, but there's some of them that are kind of questioning the move to the SEC after last year. But the defense can't be worse, right? It can't possibly be worse than it was last year. I trust Brent Venables, Brent Venables to be better, to rally the troops. I think Ted Roof is a very good defensive coordinator as well. I think he's very experienced and has seen a lot of football in his many years. And many years. the defense is the de- many years. The defense is going to be a lot better this year. Will it be elite? I don't think so. Will it be noticeably better to where they're not just basically giving teams a scrimmage against air most of the time? Absolutely. I think that they'll make a few more plays. That's going to translate to a few more wins. They also lost five one score games last year. Yeah, that tends to balance out. That tends to, especially for a talented team like Oklahoma, kind of regress to the mean. So. I'm expecting a nice bounce back here for Oklahoma, probably in the nine and 10 win range. Yeah. The loss to West Virginia, inexplicable one score loss. The, the loss Texas to Texas, Tech, a little, little bit, loss. a little bit farther than, uh, than that one score game. Uh, guys, five, five teams left to go. Let's go to Oklahoma state. Again, just a bizarre season, a truly big 12 season last year. They start out five and zero. Oh, they have the momentum. They're winning in Fort Worth the first half. They kind of dominated in the first half. And then TCU gets the momentum right at the end. The second half is all uh, Horned Frogs, and they beat Oklahoma State in double overtime in Fort Worth, 43-40. Injuries start to mount up. But that doesn't stop Oklahoma State from beating Texas. No, no, no. At home, they, t- they knock out the Longhorns. And then just back-to-back, like, Gut punch and then haymaker, 48 nothing to Kansas State. They're playing their four-string quarterback. They lose to Kansas State. Again, they beat Iowa State, uh, who can't score against tackling dummies. Uh, they lose to Oklahoma. They lose to West Virginia. They lose a, a close game to Wisconsin when all the backups are playing. 7-6, and 4-5, and five. and yet Mike Gundy has not had a losing season since he took over in 2005. So... As you look at this 2023 schedule, it's a it's a kind of hair-raising start to non-conference. At Arizona State, I, I don't think they're going to be favored in that. It's not a pushover win. And then, guys, South Alabama comes to town. It's a tough game. 
It's a yep. very tough game. South Alabama is one of the dark horses to be the G5 representative in the New Year's Six games. I don't know who's scheduling these non-conference games for Oklahoma State, but they like when they bring a um you know a group of five team in like Central Michigan, they don't put them away. <laughs> they struggle, uh, so they probably should you know I, I don't know maybe they need to to fire that guy. They need to know have an intervention do a round table something stop scheduling the south alabama's of the g5 to come to town because i'm kind of concerned they lose that game uh but anyway getting into the team team strength i wrote offense is going to go burr uh, <laughs> that team should score a lot of points now all of that is in- incumbent upon alan bowman being healthy right mm-hmm. if you get the texas tech version of alan bowman He's on his third stop in four or three years. Third stop in three years, technically, because he was at Michigan for a little bit. Texas Tech, then to Michigan, now to Oklahoma State. You get the Texas Tech version. He threw for 2,600 yards, 18 touchdowns as a true freshman before he suffered a minor injury and punctured his lung. Um, The problem with Alan Bowman is he's had so many injuries throughout his career, whether it's a punctured lung, whether it's a sprain, a strain, a bump, a bruise. It's really hard to keep him healthy and on the field. Ollie Gordon is going to be a big help. Bowling ball between the tackles. Shout out uh, Euless Trinity, right? Um, local kid. Very, very productive receiver or running back. They're going to rely on him a lot this year. The receivers are going to be interesting. Um, you get Brennan Presley back, who was your leading receiver last season, over 800 yards. Arlen Bruce, the fourth, transfers in from Iowa. He, shocker, wanted to be thrown the football, so he left Iowa. Uh, and then you have Dijon Stribling, who comes in from Washington State as well. So three pretty solid starters. I like the receiving core. Losing John Paul Richardson hurts, but I think you're going to be fine. On the defense, you've got two standouts. You've got Colin Oliver, who's a great linebacker, um, was an edge rusher, but now he's going to shift back to linebacker in the 3-3-5. That's going to allow him to be a little bit more um, more of a hybrid role, right? He can rush the passer, yeah. but he can also defend the run, hold the edge. And then you've got Ken, uh, Kendall Daniels, freshman All-American last season, Big 12 Defensive Freshman of the Year, elite cornerback for Oklahoma State. So I get down to their schedule, and Trey, shout out you for mentioning that they're the only team in the Big 12 to play all four newcomers this season. That's interesting. It's a tricky start with the non-conference, but they miss Texas. Their conference schedule isn't that terrible. And so, guys despite not having a quarterback who's proven anything in the last three years, despite having to you know, kind of go a new direction with the running back, with wide receiver, not having an elite defense last year and losing a lot of production, I still wonder if this team can get to eight wins. I mean, point to me on that schedule where you're just shaking in your boots. Yeah, I mean, the schedule makers did both schools in Oklahoma quite a favor in this one. At Arizona State could be interesting at the beginning of the year. I don't know that Arizona State's going to be fully operational yet this year. But you're absolutely right. I mean, they host Kansas State and Oklahoma, their two toughest conference games. They also host Kansas, probably their third toughest conference game. And they, again, avoid the big Texas three of Texas Tech and TCU that nowhere to be found on the schedule. So, to me, they could schedule their way to nine wins as a ceiling. I think that that's not completely out of the question. I mean, you know, losing to Oklahoma, Kansas State, and maybe a random one here or there, 
I, I don't see that. And if Alan Bowman's healthy, the, the ceiling could be even higher than that to me. Yeah, and I'm, I'm looking at this, and I, I have a question for you guys here. So when I looked at Oklahoma State and what they have working there, there's a lot of guys that transferred out. Yeah. That, that's kind of my only issue with Oklahoma State. I'm right there with you guys. Schedule sets up real nice and easy. But there's a lot of guys that transferred out. Obviously, a lot of new faces coming in as well. But, you know, there's going to be a lot of guys who have to look at and say, yeah, this is this is going to be who's going to step up, who's going to be that. How concerned are we for all the new faces meshing together? And then I guess the other thing is with the schedule as easy as it is, what would it take? And, you know, I'm not trying to look too far in the future, but what would you actually say is like a failing season for Oklahoma State this year? Right, what would you say is like, oh, if they don't hit this mark, this is a failure, and they really have to think about what their team looks like going into the future of the Big 12? Failing is not going to a bowl game. I, I think that's pretty cut and dry for me. But to answer your other question, uh, compared to TCU, just because we haven't seen it yet with Sonny Dykes, Mike Gundy is so, so good. Maybe one of the best in the country at tailoring his offense, especially to what he has in the room. Right. Like you think about a couple of years ago when they had uh, Chuba Hubbard running for 2000 yards. Right. He knew that he had an elite running back. He's going to ride that running back into the ground. Now, last couple of years, they didn't have that elite talent at running back. They had good players at running back, but they had Spencer Sanders, who was really good at distributing the ball to a bunch of wide receivers. So if Alan Bowman's healthy, I think he's a really good distributor of the football. He can make electric plays when healthy. And Mike Gundy is going to scheme around that. So I'm not really as concerned as I am with TCU, just because Gundy's done this for dang near two decades at Oklahoma State, of just finding a way with what he has in that room. And I think that combined with the schedule this year gives me a lot of optimism for them. I think, I think failure is, is probably six and six, or yeah, having the first losing season um, for Oklahoma State. I don't see that happening, but... You're right. Anytime you have a bunch of transfers come in to fill fill holes, there there's absolutely a risk. I think I think that schedule is soft enough to where they'll they'll cobble it together. So I, I kind of agree with with Trey there. Um, Trey, last season you were out on the Baylor Bears. I was in on the Baylor Bears, and I wish I hadn't been. Uh, they go six and seven last season. Four and five conference record. They had one of the most embarrassing bowl losses I've ever seen in like sub 40 degree temperatures here in Fort Worth, the Air Force. It was a sad end of the regular season, four game losing streak. This year, I think the same questions that you have had last year still exist, although maybe not to quite the extreme nature. But the question for Baylor is where is their offense coming from? They've got Blake Shapen back, but Oh my goodness, he was the antithesis of consistent last year. He could blow out Texas Tech uh, at home, 45-17, and then turn around and they couldn't score against Kansas State. They couldn't score or they lose to, to West Virginia. Now, Shapin got hurt in that game, but still, like not many teams lost to West Virginia last year, right? Um, so when I look at Baylor, I do really, really question the offense the team's strength, I think, is the running game. Richard Reese is going to be really good, but they've got to rebuild that offensive line. And the team weakness is 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 on the defense. So for me, you've got an inconsistent offense. You've got a defense or a secondary that only returns one starter. And oh, by the way, you bring in a new defensive coordinator. Matt Pallage comes over from Oregon. I think this is going to be a little bit of a learning curve year for a defense that has some good pieces. 
Devin Lemire is the lone starter in the secondary who comes back. He's a safety. TJ Franklin's a beast off the edge. Uh, and then AJ McCarty, who was a corner last year, now moves to the star position. But still, I I can squint. And if Baylor's offense is really good, I can get them to nine and three. Again, I'm squinting. But realistically, I think you're really flirting with that bowl eligibility line. I, I've got six and six. Garrett, I know I know you've been you've had some takes with Baylor in the past as well. I mean, I don't expect a ton from Baylor this year. Certainly a certainly a change of tune from from where it was a season ago. Yeah, and I understand, you know, getting burned by a team kind of coming back down to earth. But let me kind of paint a Thanks. little bit more of a picture. Because uh, I think that they could be okay. I don't think they'll go over their seven and a half. I have them at seven and five, but I think that they'll take care of what I think is a little bit worse competition. Uh, they they do play three. They play UCF, Cincinnati, and then uh, Houston. They do play three of the newcomers, and then they do get Iowa State. They do get West Virginia. I think those are weaker teams. If they can kind of run some of that, or even if they lose one of those, just go find a way to hop up over the top, right? You've got, you know, Texas on the schedule, Utah on the schedule. You've got Kansas State, TCU. All those probably going to be very, very good teams. But, I mean, as you saw last year, even in a rough year, they still beat, you know, an Oklahoma, a Kansas, some teams that were pretty good last season. They, they took it to Texas Tech. So they could, you know, go over here and, and maybe win one or two extra games. But you know, even if not, I think 7-5 and five is pretty much on the table for Baylor this year. I do think they're going to run the ball extremely well. I think, you know, Richard Reese, what he was able to do, I think he's going to run the ball very, very well. And look, Shapin, a lot of love-hate. I've talked to a lot of Baylor fans this offseason. I've got a lot of people that I've been able to have conversations with. I don't think Shapin is going to finish maybe top half in terms of quarterbacks in the Big 12, but he could be in the middle of the pack. If he could just be a little bit more consistent, not turn the ball over, he doesn't have to be dynamic. I think they've got a good enough team that we're – even just kind of an average quarterback play plus better defense, I think can do it for him. Is there a lot of reason to believe it? Maybe not necessarily on the paper, but I just have to believe that Dave Aranda, a defensive minded head coach is going to find a way to put a better defensive product on the field. They got a new defensive coordinator in there to kind of mix some things up. I'll take a little bit of parody within the Baylor bears right now and say that they'll go seven and five, decent season and i think that they have to position themselves well for the future of the big 12 listen it, it's the same as last year for me i just shapen could be a really good quarterback and we don't know that because we don't know who he's throwing the ball to and they just right. don't have game breakers at receiver like they did in the you know recent past with guys that are still in the nfl to this day so it's really hard for me to say one thing or another about Blake Shapin. He's not a guy that can do it without elite wide receiver talent. I, I think that's fair to say. And they don't have elite wide receiver talent unless, you know, Keetron Jackson coming in from Arkansas. Keetron Jackson is a great, great yeah. pickup. I think that that was the one thing that they did to really address a big need. And you're absolutely right. We should, we should call that out. And coming in from Arkansas, Hal Presley is another guy at, at the big recruit that they had a couple of years ago was Armani Winfield. We've yet to see anything from him. I'm really interested yep. to see if they can finally get him going and maybe adjusted to a college system. But yeah, I mean, if you're telling me that Baylor's going to win games and when they won games a couple of years ago and got to the big 12 championship, it was on the backs of defense and a running game. If you're telling me we're not completely 
in on the defense or the running game, then I, I think it could be a long season for the Bears. I think they're going to struggle to get to bowl eligibility. I think it's funny you mentioned Armani Winfield. I Back in, in my sports marketing NIL days, I, I worked with Armani. Um, but that's, yeah, that's the only only bit I've heard from him. So I, I certainly certainly would love to see him on the field. I think Keytron Jackson will be good. Dominic Richardson transfers in from Oklahoma State as well uh, to be kind of that one-two punch with Richard Reese in the backfield. So, yeah, Baylor can get some offense. They'll be they'll be plucky, right? Seven and five, eight and four, um, but they're they're certainly a cut below the team that won the Big Twelve championship a couple of years ago. Uh, Kansas guys, six and seven. Boy, they started out fun. Three and six in conference play. They started five and zero. Oh. College game day came to Lawrence. That's right. Uh, and then everyone got hurt, and the season came to a screeching halt. Um, now, they gave us one of the best bowl games. They lost in triple overtime in the Liberty Bowl to Arkansas. That was actually a game that was on while we were getting dinner the other night. We were having fun watching, re-watching that one. The offense is going to be a lot of fun. They have 10 starters coming back. They bring back the most production in the country per uh, ESPN. And they average north of 438 yards and 36 points per game, which should be good for a winning record this year, right? If they can stay healthy, there's a chance. Uh, Jalen Daniels led the country in QBR last season. He'll be back this year. Devin Neal, Daniel Hinshaw Jr., really solid running back duo. Uh, Out wide, they've got Lawrence Arnold, 716 yards. He averaged over 16 yards per catch. Wide receiver room is a little bit decimated, but Arnold's going to be the the headliner there. Their offensive line got a lot better. They add a former five-star in Logan Brown who comes in from Wisconsin, and they add Spencer Lovell from Cal. There's a good chance that Brown will be a starter. There's a good chance that Spencer Lovell earns one of the guards' starting spots. So the offense for Kansas, I really love. The, The question will be on defense, they gave up 35 points a game last year. So it's absolutely critical that that defense improves. I, I don't know if you're going to be able to to bank on that. Um, we shall see. On the defensive line, Jeremy Robinson had eight and a half tackles for loss. They're replacing all four starters on that front four. So getting to the quarterback, consistently stopping the run, like massive, massive question marks. If Kansas can play defense guys there is a world where i think the jayhawks go eight and four i think that would be a just peak big 12 chaos kansas is upsetting teams left and right garrett if you pull up their schedule for us i i don't see them sinking lower than five and seven but realistically i have them getting to six and six i think this is a kind of a roller coaster year i don't there's not like a for Kansas, there's not like a big winning streak that they go on. I think I, I basically have them alternating wins and losses like all season long. Yeah, and the, the schedule makers didn't really do them a ton of favors either. They get Oklahoma and Texas. Oklahoma is at home, but they also get Texas Tech uh, and Kansas State, of course, in the Sunflower Showdown. So that's yeah. probably four of the top five in the Big 12 on most people's radars right there. And also throwing a road trip to Oklahoma State. So there's some really tough games mixed in here. And look, until we see the defense take a drastic step forward, we're going to have to consider them a really, really fun half team. And they can win a lot of games and get to a bowl game as a really, really fun half team. They did not get blown out other than the game against Texas last year. 
even when they started falling to injuries, even when they started, you know, Jason Bean had to play a lot as a backup quarterback. He filled in nicely. That offense is really, really just tailored to letting guys make plays and not really have to think about a lot. So the, the pieces are there on offense. They're really like that team that you build your NCAA dynasty when you first start out at a lower level and you have to score on every drive to win a game because your defense is just not going to stop them if you sim it. And look, I, I think Kansas is going to be very similar to that this year. I think that they have a bright future. I think that they're investing in the program. The defense is still a couple years away. And so they're going to be a lot of fun to watch. Their games are going to be very high scoring like they were last year. And there's a really good chance they make a bowl game again and give a team a lot of trouble in that bowl game. So I'm excited to see where they go. Maybe they take a step forward on defense and maybe they win a couple games that were toss ups last year and really put their best foot forward. But I think until proven otherwise, we're going to see a really, really exciting half team with a really fun offense. How much do you think this offense is just Jalen Daniels being that dude, right? I think they finished like fourth in the nation and passer rating last year. And that was massively on Jalen Daniels shoulders. Like how much do you think this is just him being that dude versus maybe Lance Leipold is, you know, he's a good coach. That's really bringing stuff along. Do you think this has staying power, like going forward for Kansas? Or, or do you think that this is maybe just a, Hey, let's strike while the iron is hot. We got Jalen Daniels. We got Devin Neal. Hopefully Daniel Highshaw comes back healthy and, and we can start to make some stuff work there. Um, you know, I'm, I'm curious how much you guys think this is just a Jalen Daniels thing. And I guess how, how much can Jalen Daniels do if he's just on his own, if it's just him, like how much do you think he can do this year in terms of causing chaos in the big 12? The, the offense definitely took a little bit of a step back when the, the mean green or mean bean machine was, was in charge. There's no doubt. Like Jason Bean wasn't the winner that Jalen Daniels was, but I think it's a combo. I think Daniels is one of the most special players in the country, but I also think Leipold is a really, really good head coach. Andy Kotelnicki is the offensive coordinator, came over from Buffalo. Um, you know, Brian Borland needs to kind of pull up, pull his weight, uh, hold up his end of the bargain, also came over from Buffalo. But I think it's a really good unit that they have over in Kansas right now. I'm, I'm so curious to see how they continue, you know, how they keep the lights on, keep the party going after Daniels is gone. Um Leipold is is definitely instilling some some fun culture there, and, and so I think Kansas is is certainly headed in the right direction. We'll have to see. They're young; they are largely unproven. Um, so I think the Jayhawks are a team to watch. I, I hope they keep building. I hope it's not you know one step forward, two steps back, or two steps forward, one step back. Like let's have some linear progress this year. I think that would be a big win. Last two teams in the Big 12, um, I don't think either of us are, are very high on. Listen, we don't take a lot of victory laps on this show. I, I think maybe after some of the some of the comments we got from West Virginia fans last year when we had them, I think, at 4-8 and eight in the conference, maybe a slight victory lap is, is justified. They go 5-7 and seven last year. Yeah, season. Mitch, we were so wrong. They went 5-7. and seven. We, were, we were off our <laughs> rocker. Um Guys, what did we say the issue would be last year? We said the secondary is probably going to stink, and I don't know if that defensive line, as deep as they are, I don't know if they're going to be a difference maker. And then we obviously had a lot of questions about the offense. Well, shocker, all of that came true. The secondary is all gone. Uh, the defensive line is all gone. They're, they're, 
their team's strength, I will give them this, is the offensive line. Zach Frazier is one of the best centers in the game, should be uh, high on draft radars for sure. The problem is that offensive line might not have anybody to block for. Uh, Garrett Green is the quarterback, which, listen, uh, if you're a believer in Garrett Green, God bless you. Um, nine games last year, five touchdowns, three picks. He had a 55% completion percentage. Not exactly groundbreaking stuff. I think C.J. Donaldson uh, is a good running back, had four 100-yard games in his first seven as a new running back. He transitioned from a big wide receiver over to the running back position and at first really flashed, and then he got hurt, and then into this season. Uh, Devin Carter comes over from NC State. Ja'Shawn Polk comes over from Kent State. It's a brand-new wide receiver room for for the Mountaineers. Um, so Green's going to have some new guys to get accustomed to. On defense, the defensive backs have so much to prove. They were horrific last season. Um, Montre Miller comes in from Kent State. You have Marcus Floyd and Aubrey Burks, who are going to be the main names back there. The defensive line, again, Mountaineers fans were telling us, hey, we we have so much depth up front. Don't even worry about our front four. We're going to be golden. This year, you don't even have that to fall back on, which is what I'm really, really concerned about. I, I don't know if you're going to be able to stop the run. I don't know if you're going to be able to get to the passer. Um, everyone was banking on that depth last year in the defensive line. You don't have that this season. The linebackers a very, very thin unit as well. You look at that schedule, and it's a daunting one. You have rivalry games against Penn State and uh, and Pitt. You play Texas Tech. You play TCU. You play Oklahoma late in the season. Oklahoma State right after Houston. It's a late buy. It's a really late. Uh, I'm sorry, not a late buy. It's a it's an early buy. I'm sorry. And then it's kind of a gauntlet against teams that are going to put up points. Houston, Oklahoma State, UCF. We'll see about BYU. Oklahoma, we think, is going to score points. Cincinnati, Baylor. Where are the wins on this schedule, fellas? Like, I'm really struggling to find that. Uh, well, they played a game. <laughs> okay. They, they probably start in one and three or one and four. They, uh, they also us. play 11 other games. They, they and- do. Look, it's hard to find wins on this schedule. Um, it's you know I'm not one to take the victory lap either, but we told you so. Um, and so, look, they, it's not a great team. There's not a lot left in the cupboards. There's not a whole lot here for West Virginia. Yeah, the offensive line is going to be good, but again, Mitch, just who who do you block for, right? Like, it's it's really just a, if there's nobody back there to block for it. it there's no reason, right? There's no reason to have a great offensive line if nobody's going to be completing passes downfield. You give a guy all day to throw, and there's nothing downfield, and so he just sits there and takes a coverage sack. Like, it's – it's I, I don't know. I'm really struggling to find good ways to talk about West Virginia. Um, they're they're going to have a rough year. I have them at 2-10. and 10. I think that they'll find another game on the schedule. Don't ask me which one. Um, and I <laughs> – I, I don't know. I don't think that it's going to be a great year for West Virginia. Have them down at the bottom of the conference and um, probably, you know, also at the back of the line will be Neil Brown in the back of the employment line at the end of the season. Can't imagine a way that he gets there. And I hope that they can figure something out at West Virginia because I would like a good West Virginia back in college football. I we think it'd be a lot of fun. We get to sing country roads after. Right, game. exactly. Yeah, that. we get to get to sing country roads again as a nation, right? That'd be nice to have everyone. But I'd like to have a good West Virginia team back because I think that would be fun 
for this new era of the Big 12, it probably means a new coach. It probably means having to you know rebuild through the, the transfer portal. And I think it'll probably take a little bit to get back to that point. It's not happening this year. I will say Neil Brown's days are most likely numbered in Morgantown. <laughs> And he is embracing that. I don't know if you guys watched him at Big 12 Media Days a couple weeks ago, but he was basically just like, yeah, we're just going to throw whatever at the wall and see what sticks, and we're going to have a lot of fun, (laughs) and we'll see what happens. And I love that. Big, uh, I don't care energy. And maybe that's not what you want from the guy you're paying millions of dollars a year to lead your football program, but he knows it. The whole program knows it. He's embracing it. Is Neil Brown quiet quitting? No, he's he's legit. Just like he said, he's gonna try a lot of wild stuff. I don't think that's quiet quitting. He's he, just gonna. He, he criticized the Big Twelve media for picking them at the back of the conference. Um, yeah, saying they're just being overlooked. I'm like, man, I, you're 22 okay. and 25 at West Virginia. Like, I don't know what we're overlooking exactly. Yeah, give me a reason to look. Like that that energy resonates through the fan base. I'll just say that. Well, I, listen I, again, West Virginia. If they could make the climb back, sick. I, I don't think it's this year. Trey, you're a lot higher on Iowa State than <laughs> I am, to to put it mildly. Uh, they went 4-8 and eight last year. As I've continued to mention, they couldn't score on the JV team at your local high school. The offense was atrocious last season. Um, all eight mm-hmm. losses, by the way, by double digits. Like, when they lost, wait. Uh, no, that's incorrect. No, I'm sorry. Uh I, that's part of my point, sir. <laughs> well, my, my, my bad. That's, uh, that's an error in my, in my notes. So I apologize for that. Uh, no, when you pull up the schedule, they had a lot of close losses there it is. other than that TCU, ignore the TCU game. They, 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 were, done. they were done by, by that one. <laughs> they, they were the, they were the one, two, three Cancun team of the week, uh, for sure to finish, but the defense is elite. There's no doubt about that. Like the defense is one of the best in the country, John Heacock is is a very solid defensive coordinator. Matt Campbell rallies the troops on defense. On offense, oof. Um, give, give me some reason for optimism because even as I look down and see that Jaden Higgins is coming in from Eastern Kentucky uh, and the, the offensive line could be better this year. I mean, they can't be any worse than dead last where they were last year. Give me some reason to hope for the Cyclones because I'm not finding it. Well, listen, I, I think if you're looking for a reason to say that they're going to go back to Arlington, I can't give you that. If you're looking for a reason to say that they can be plucky and make a bowl game and maybe maybe squint their way to eight wins, I, I think that there's reason to believe that Hunter Deckers is a talented quarterback. They're not going to win eight games, guys. I see y'all looking at me. I have them fighting for bowl. Y'all say I'm high on them. I have them fighting for bowl eligibility, but it's higher than I have them. They are a half team, right? I, I think we're there at least a half team with a very, very good defense. They lost a lot of production off that defense, but I trust Matt Campbell to field a very good defense in the Big Twelve at this point. And I think they have talented players that, with another year of seasoning, they were very young on offense last year. They struggled to put up points but they played tough games all the way through the end of the year. Other than that TCU game, the only other game they lost by more than one score was Oklahoma. And that one was a really close game throughout as well. They held that high octane Oklahoma offense to 27 points. 
And look, Hunter Deckers, is he a perfect quarterback? Absolutely not. Can he sling it around and I think find some really fun weapons to throw the ball to? I, I think so. I think that, you know, another year of seasoning for him, he could be maybe top half in the Big 12. Maybe that's too high. My but I, I think he has that ceiling. I think he has a ceiling to be a top half quarterback in the big 12. And if he plays to that ceiling, then Iowa state's going to be a really fun team and they're going to make a bowl game pretty comfortably. Will he make it to that ceiling? Probably not, but I, I don't know. I'm excited to watch him. I'm excited to watch that Iowa state defense. There's going to be a lot of games where the Iowa state defense is the best unit on the field this fall. Yeah, Trey, I'm, I'm happy for you, man. I'm glad that you think that. <laughs> um, look, I, you said they're a half team. They might be more like a quarter team or an eighth team or something like that. I'm, Sir, um, pull, pull uh, up the stats. Yeah, no, the I, stats. They, they are the definition of a half team. They might have been Number the best half team in the country defense. last year. Yeah. Yeah. But I think, I, I don't know. I, turnover I margin was about. awful, too. Look at that turnover margin. Deckers just doesn't spaz yeah. out and turn the ball over a few more, a few fewer times. You know, I'm thinking they, about that it, Texas game. They almost get hands and butts, man. It's hands and butts, I guess. That's um, all college football is. Is that's all the Big Twelve is? Is if hands and butts. So I was gonna say, I don't know about possibly, the last yeah. I'm just trying to have a little fun with the last. No, team yeah, and, and we appreciate it, obviously. Um, <laughs> I look. You said eight, and I was ready to just what? And so, um, I, I don't know that eight is a realistic number there for them. Schedule's not too bad. The schedule's okay. Um, I don't know. It's I just, not it, friendly either. <laughs> <laughs> the schedule may not be too bad, but Iowa State's not too good. So I, I just, I'm not really, I'm not seeing it, man. I'm not seeing it. I hope that it works out well. And I'm, you know, I'm the keeper of the hot takes over here, but I'm going to let you keep that one. Um, <laughs> I Look, this, the thing about it for me this year is uh, kind of wrapping some of it all looking big picture. When I look at the Big 12, I see a lot of really, really good teams in this conference. And I think that there's going to be some cannibalization but there's going to be a lot of games that are going to be tune-up games, a lot of games that are going to be get-right games, net-crack games, whatever you want to call them. There's going to be a lot of those on the schedule for some of these top teams, the Kansas State, Texas, Oklahoma, TCU. A lot of these teams are going to have opportunities between tough games to get things right, try new stuff, run up the score, things like that. I think Iowa State's going to be a little bit of cannon fodder for some of these teams this year. I, I have them at 2-10 and 10 as well. Um, I, I think that that's going to be a, a rough season for them. I think they'll win Northern Iowa and Ohio, <laughs> but that's about where my optimism ends for them. So, wow! Thanks for playing. Sorry, Matt Campbell. I, no. I, I'll so say they this: over in the Big Twelve. I, I do. There's a chance. There, wow. there is a there is a chance. Now, I'll say this: I'll say this. Cincinnati, uh, before the bye week, you got to win that, and. There's a good chance they could. Cincinnati. It's on the road. It is on the road, but a great defense against an offense that has a lot of question marks, like, you know, maybe advantage Iowa State. Again, I, the problem is you just got to score. You got to score. Guys, I think this is a team that was one point away from beating the Big 12 champions last year. I don't, I don't think you guys understand that. Well, listen, that was a bizarre game. That was that, very weird. That, that seemed that, that was an Adrian Martinez special. <laughs> yeah, that that truly was a. Was that oh the game God, we got murdered, or was that the week after? No, he played that whole game. I'm, I'm about 99 percent sure. And it was just... Kansas. Kansas State had like 90 yards of offense or something like that through the yeah, air. I think like it was it all was... on one play. Yeah. Like it was legitimately yeah. they had like an 80 yard touchdown run or something like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
So that, that stretch last year between Ohio and West Virginia was just a comedy of errors for Iowa state. I don't, I personally, I don't think that happens again, but the missed field goal against Kansas. I should mean, it be Kansas. Oh, oh my yeah, God. Absolutely. Yeah. That was brutal. Yeah. Right there okay. against Kansas State and Texas. They, they should have forced Zav- overtime against Kansas. I don't know that I say they should have beat Kansas. Well, you're a Xavier Hutchinson ghost jump away from beating Texas. Yep. That's, if that's if he doesn't just jump for joy, you know, way before the ball gets there, you probably beat the Longhorns. Yeah. Um, yeah. Anyway, I, that's that's in the past. Listen, I think there is there is a chance that Iowa State wins four or five games this season. I can't get them to six. I just I don't, I don't see it on the schedule. Um, I officially have them at five and seven for the record. Yeah. So, okay. wishing and hoping. For do the I feel like I'm way too low on Iowa State? Sure. Yeah, that defense is really good. The problem is, I just have to see you score. And Matt Campbell has struggled to score the last couple of years, and I don't see the additions on this roster, you know, Sands, Brees, Hall, that that make me think, yeah, if 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 you give up twenty four you're going to compete, right? You're going to be able to win. That's the thing is like, if the defense doesn't pitch a shutout, sorry, man, like we'll see you next week. So anyway, um, Iowa state should be fascinating. There's, there's not a boring team. I don't think in this division other than maybe West Virginia, uh, again, not, yeah, they're pretty boring, not, not trying to draw the ire of their fans, but like Garrett green doesn't do it for me. So anyway, it, it's a fascinating conference. I think it's the conference of chaos. Once again, um, not, shadow realm big 10 west uh but i think it is i think there's going to be a lot of cannibalization and there's no doubt i think at some point during the season we just we we throw our predictions in the fire and and burn them right um but uh anyway guys i i think that's all we got to say i think we wrap it there almost two hours in uh another preview for you the big 12 it's exciting texas and oklahoma what do they do on their way out kansas state's being predicted high Texas Tech is being predicted high. Um, this is going to be a fascinating season. As Texas and Oklahoma transition out, the four newcomers transition in. Uh, there, there's no doubt. And I mentioned earlier, I alluded to it, Big 12 probably getting ready to make some news um, this week, depending on when you listen to this uh, preview as well. But for Trey Reeves, for Garrett Turney, I'm Mitch Mason. Thanks so much for rocking with us. Again, head on over to the Transfer Portal CFB website. Uh, buy yourself a preview magazine. we got a month left to go. Plenty of great stuff in there. You can follow along with us if you'd like. We still have uh, the Pac-12, the SEC, and the Group of Five preview coming up. And uh, head on over to Home Field Apparel and uh, get yourself some awesome gear, some great T-shirts, bomber jackets, too, if you're into that. They've got the works over there. 3 Tech Pod is your uh, discount code there. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time, so long, everyone. Gracious, yeah. how about that?